Chapter Thirty Five of Her Dark Inheritance by E. Burt Collins. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. How the news was received. Pale and dazed, Beatrix gazed into the young physician's face. Could it be possible? Were his words true? Was there a hope that she might, after all, escape the dreadful scourge, the awful curse, and be restored to her rightful place in the world, no longer an outcast, no longer looked upon as a thing of horror, an object of aversion? It seemed too good to be true. She fell backward a little, trembling like a leaf. Dr. Darrow caught her in his arms and placed her on a seat nearby. Keith, who had recovered from the swoon into which he had fallen after his rescue from the burning building, could only gaze into her face, not able to speak a word. "'Let us drive at once to Mr. Dane's,' Dr. Darrow's voice broke the silence which followed. "'I will explain to Mr. Dane, and I see no reason why you should not be restored to your old place there, Mrs. Kenyon.' Her eyes met his with a look of gratitude. Then, all at once, it flashed across her mind that the old house had a new ruler now. Serena was its real head, its tyrannical mistress. Could she go back there? Would Serena allow it? And could she be happy under the same roof which Serena claimed as her own? In a few words she expressed her doubts and fears. Keith's eyes flashed. "'If you do not accompany me, I shall not go there,' he exclaimed. So that settles it. Where you go, Beatrix, I shall go. No one shall separate us again. And if Dr. Darrow is right in his conjunctures, there is no longer the shadow of a reason for our separation. Beatrix, darling wife, happy days are drawing near. Thank God. A cab having arrived, Dr. Darrow helped the two into it and took his own seat opposite. I had better go with you, he said, for I wish to explain to Mr. Dane. It is time that this cloud should be lifted from Mrs. Kenyon's life. We will be only too glad to have you accompany us, returned Keith heartily. And so they drove away together, away from the ruins of the home, the funeral pyre of one of the noblest of women, and were soon in the aristocratic portion of the city. At last the cab halted before the door of the Dane mansion. A dilapidated trio, hatless, soiled, and weary, they were ushered into the presence of Mr. and Mrs. Bernard Dane. At sight of the visitors, Serena arose majestically. Simons, in a commanding tone, these people are not received here. Show them out. Serena, oh, Bernard Dane darted forward, his face pale, his form trembling. You are going a little too far. These are my adopted son and daughter. I forbid you to insult or show them any rudeness. Dr. Darrow is a highly prized friend. Be seated, all of you. Simons, bring some wine and a little cold chicken or something to refresh us. We had just read in the morning paper of the fire, he added, turning to Keith as he spoke. I was about to go and see what had become of you, but the paper stated that no one was killed, no lives lost in the flames, but the good sister of charity and the little child. So I felt relieved upon that score. Ah, uh, here comes Simons. Now you all must eat and drink, for I must confess you look pretty badly used up. They needed no second invitation. 
and when the repast was over and they felt strengthened and refreshed dr darrow proceeded to tell his story ending by expressing his opinion professionally that beatrix had escaped the awful scourge i think that there is no room for doubt upon the subject the physician said in conclusion i have never known the fire test to fail dr de trebrana told me of it intervened old bernard dane excitedly he said that if i could in any way expose beatrix to the action of fire i would prove beyond a doubt if she were really afflicted with leprosy you understand my cruel treatment of you now beatrix do you not that night long ago when i tried to induce you to put your hand into the fire yes i remember uncle bernard she returned and i must confess that at the time i was awfully frightened i thought that you had suddenly lost your reason no wonder the old man smiled grimly and now i suppose you all need rest and beatrix certainly must have those burns dressed luckily that her face has escaped injury go upstairs to the blue room beatrix but serena barred the way i am mistress here she snarled and i say that no leprous person shall remain under my roof it was proved beyond a doubt that her mother mildred dane was afflicted with the dreadful disease how then do you know how soon it will show itself in beatrix her child the parent always transmits the disease to the children there is no mistake upon that point no avoiding the truth you are mistaken dr doro's voice broke in upon serena's angry tirade i beg your pardon for the contradiction mrs dane but you are mistaken let me give you an instance of the truth which proves that the disease is not always transmitted to the children direct from the parents it may lie in abeyance for two or three generations and then appear in the next the story that i am about to relate to you with your permission is true and i repeat it from the written notes of a physician a friend of mine who was well acquainted with the parties concerned i used to know a cuban hero a revolutionist who had been run out of his native island by the government he was the son of a rich planter had been well educated in france and spain and had many accomplishments he went to new york and into the cigar business and soon became wealthy he married a new york girl and had a family he had grown to be immensely rich and lived in grand style drove blooded horses and owned his own opera box one night he had a long consultation with the family physician in a private room in his elegant mansion when the doctor left the cuban said to his wife in a careless tone let us go down to delmonico's my dear and have supper they went and the two passed the gayest merriest evening imaginable a little after midnight they returned home she went to bed and fell asleep the lights still burning in the house just as the first faint streaks of dawn began to appear in the eastern sky she awoke with a cold chill creeping over her some instinct warned her that evil had occurred she rose and sought her husband she found him in his private room lying on the floor stone dead with the revolver still grasped in one cold hand he had spent the night arranging his affairs he had left her many tender messages which told of his love for her and his children and tender kisses for the dear ones whose lips he dared not press himself that interview with his family physician had betrayed the secret to him 
leprosy which had occurred among his ancestors generations before had declared itself in him and he had taken the shortest way of doctoring it end of chapter thirty five